This episode is supported by Vegamore. I'm a month and a half into my Vegamore journey. I don't know if you've ever had a garden and planted seeds, but when that first little growth breaks ground, it's exciting. And on my very head, I can see some new growth in the areas that I've noticed hair thinning before. And it's exciting to see those little babies coming in. I use the shampoo, conditioner, and the grow serum, which have a lovely, mellow, warm citrus smell. I've been consistently using this and it makes my hair feel soft and full. And it's really important to me that I use safe and conscious products whenever I can. And Vegamore is 100% cruelty-free and are never formulated with potentially harmful chemicals like parabens or hormones. Elevate your hair wellness routine this year with Vegamore. For a limited time, get 20% off your first subscription order by going to vegamore.com slash mind and use code mind at checkout. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com slash mind, code mind to save 20% on your first order. V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com slash mind, code mind. Welcome to Mom in Mind. I'm perinatal psychologist and host, Dr. Kat. There's more to the story than just postpartum depression. And this podcast aims to share it all from personal stories and lived experience to experts who break down the ups and downs of life from getting pregnant, pregnancy, perinatal loss, and postpartum adjustment to parenthood. While this is not psychotherapy or medical advice, it is all of the stuff you ever wanted to know about mental health and new parenthood. Hi there, and welcome back to Mom in Mind. I am your host, Dr. Kat, and this is another episode of Behind the Sessions, where I talk about things that come up in therapy, things that people are discussing and really struggling with at times. And uh, the hope is to really just give a peek into what goes on inside therapy, what goes on in perinatal mental health and therapy, and try and pull the curtain back as much as possible so that those of you who are considering getting help or feel like therapy is going to be too hard or too difficult or you know what even happens in therapy so that you can get more comfortable with the idea of therapy and for it to feel more accessible to you so i dive into topics that come up in therapy sessions and that some of them are universal, like meaning that a lot of people deal with them. And some of them take on shades that are specific to the individual, even if they do have kind of a, are more globally applicable. What is really true is that whatever is going on for you, there is somebody out there who is going through something similar or can at least identify with parts of what you're struggling with. And today what I want to talk about is something that comes up in so many therapy sessions, actually is sometimes part of the reason why people come into therapy. And that is when your family, your family of origin doesn't support you in the way that you need, this can cause huge amounts of stress. As you've probably heard in many of our other episodes, having support is really, really important. And when people are trying to become pregnant or transitioning into pregnancy and postpartum and that first bit of time with a new baby or in some form of grief, whatever that might be in their process, you really want to be able to pull on the resources that you have 
and you want them to be able to show up for you in the way that you need. So I'll give you a couple of examples of what I'm describing. Let's say, you know, maybe you have a an on and off or sometimes difficult relationship with your mother, or it's an okay relationship, but isn't super deep, or you don't feel like she's emotionally available to you in general. And then you are going through the transition of becoming a parent. And what I find to be true is that during that time is one of the highest times of need for your parent to be the parent you've always wanted them to be or needed them to be. And therefore, if they are not and can't meet those needs for you, how disappointing that can be, how angering, how saddening, how frustrating any feeling could come up during that time of really, really needing that parent and wanting that parent and for them to sort of disappoint you again. So people who are going through this transition into parenthood are often going through it. You know, if you are going through this for the first time on your own, the examples of how to do these things have come from either your family of origin or other people that you are close with. So if you don't have that relationship to rely on to help guide you through any number of things, you're kind of flying blind at that point. You're making things up as you go, which we have to do anyways, but it is nice to feel like you have an anchor somewhere, somebody that you can rely on or turn to when you're having feelings, when you're having confusion, when you have questions. And if you don't have that support that is available to you, it can feel even more stressful to be going through the transition into parenthood. One of the ways I've seen this kind of play out is that, you know, that hope for your parent to be the parent you've always needed, it's not always like a conscious process. It's not always top of mind, something that you're going into parenting thinking like, oh, I'm really gonna need my parent to be a parent, you know, the adult or the leader. It's not a conscious process always. So sometimes what happens is, you know, you can be, let's say you become pregnant or you're going through a fertility process and finding that you're bumping up against some emotional stuff and you go to maybe talk to your parent about it. Let's say you're gonna go talk to your mom about it because you just need to talk some stuff through and then she's not available to talk about it, meaning she cuts you off or minimizes your experience or talks about herself instead. And that feeling that comes up from that interaction is for some people kind of like a small gut punch. Like, oh, I came to you because I needed to talk to you about something and you're not there for me. And there's an additional for a lot of people anyways there's this additional feeling of i really need my parent to be the parent now and when they are not it's doubly disappointing and sometimes even if i can say almost an assumption that the let's say in this example that the mom is going to be able to kind of show up in the way that is needed finally maybe but if she's not if she's kind of being the parent that she's always been or not treating this new scenario with the gentleness or support that you need, it can feel really, really devastating and disappointing. Some of the ways that I've seen and heard parents not show up are 
let's say like not asking questions. So if you're, you know, let's say your parent isn't asking you questions about how you're doing, uh, when is your next appointment? What did the doctor say? What kind of, you know, are you looking into doulas or that kind of stuff? There's no curiosity about your experience. That can be really hard to not have sort of somebody thinking with you about your needs. Or sometimes people feel judged by their parent. So for instance, if let's say, if you are in the process of fertility treatments and you are trying to become pregnant through IVF, you could have a parent be judgmental that you're not trying some other thing that they happen to randomly find on the internet. You know, they're telling you that you should try X, Y, or Z as if you haven't already thought about every possibility under the sun of how to try to become pregnant but they are judging you for your strategy or how you're going about things. Or if you, let's say, do have a new baby, they could be judging why you chose the feeding modality that you chose, whether that be like nursing or bottle feeding or how you comfort your child. So there can be like this other side where uh, it's more of like an intrusiveness or a judgment about how you're doing things. And for some people, some of their parents can do both. They can be very intrusive in certain ways and kind of absent in other ways. Support for today's episode comes from OneSkin. And for a limited time, my listeners get an exclusive 15% off OneSkin products using the code MIND when you check out at oneskin.co. Well, I've kept up my mini resolution of taking better care of my skin after consistently using OneSkin for several weeks and all is going well. I can't see what's going on at a cellular level, but I can tell you that my skin feels soft and healthy. But they did do some cool research that looked at before and after exposure of the OS1 peptide to skin cells, and the OneSkin scientists found that the peptide reverses skin's biological age. And you can even see that study by Zonari A. et al. in the NPJ Aging Journal. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code MIND at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code MIND. After you purchase, they'll ask where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. New year, healthier skin. That's one skin. This episode is supported by Hungry Root. I am a creature of habit when it comes to food. Like I buy the same stuff in the store and generally make the same stuff over and over. Not really that fun. So in order to shake things up, I use Hungry Root. I can pick a whole meal and they send me what I need to make it, but I will also just let them choose so I don't get into my rut. And it paid off. I got the chicken shawarma non-flatbread. These are flavors that I wouldn't have thought to put together on my own, and they totally work. It was so yummy and so easy to make. And bonus, I also received for free organic roasted chicken breasts that I threw into a salad for another meal. Hungry Root is my partner in healthy and yummy living. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Mom and Mind listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash cat to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash cat. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. So for this example, I'll call the mom of origin grandma and the 
person who gave birth mom. So the grandmother comes over and doesn't do anything, doesn't really lift a finger, doesn't ask what the new mom needs, and doubles down on not helping by asking for her own needs to be met. So at this point, new mom, newly postpartum, is not only taking care of a new baby, but also taking care of her own mother. So family relationships are quite complex. That I think goes without saying, but if we go into this reproductive period time with, I guess like unfulfilled needs from our family of origin, it is totally natural and normal to want them to show up in the way that you need them to show up when you're going through major life changes. And it's disappointing and upsetting when they don't. So the struggle that happens for people, this contributes when these dynamics come up and people are not only struggling with their own reproductive journey, but now also struggling with their family of origin, the ways in which they're, you know, not being supportive. It makes things just that much more complex. And it's not that we're always necessarily thinking of things on this fully conscious processing, you know, our thoughts and our feelings level, it could just be like a felt sense of sadness or disappointment, or even avoidance. If you're trying to avoid a family member that is intrusive, or that you have to take care of, or you could be feeling a lot of grief, just sadness that you are not getting the help that you need and that your parent isn't showing up in the way that you need. And those are real feelings. It doesn't matter that you're an adult. It doesn't matter that you are having your own child or that whatever, you have a job or a career in an apartment or house, or you have all these things of stability or things that you've created in your own life. The way that humans operate is that we need connection. We need to feel supported. We need to have community. And so even if you're 35 or 40, it doesn't matter how old you are. If you are in a new phase of life, specifically going into parenthood, you, it kicks up a lot of stuff. That's what I'll say. This transition brings up a lot of things, a lot of feelings that are kind of like, maybe you didn't have to think about for a long time. Like if you, I don't know, moved out and got a job or went to college or whatever, you started your own life, you might not have had to think about the interdependence or the need you have from your family in this way for a long time. So even though you are feeling more independent and are, you know, you can provide for yourself and all that, the emotional connection that you had with your family and have now with your family comes up. And I will talk about in a separate episode, how our past traumas can come up during the reproductive period. But for now, I want to have a tighter focus on just family relationships and how impacted we can be by not having our needs met during the process to become a parent. You might for the first time in a long time, be remembering like, oh, that's right when I was younger and I needed something, mom wasn't there or she dismissed my feelings and she's doing the same thing now. 
I just want to like pause for just a moment and I'm not parent bashing. I'm not family bashing. I'm just talking about the complexity of family systems and family relationships. I believe to a certain extent that most parents in this case, we're talking about like grandparents did the best that they could with the information they had, the resources that they had at the time and humans are not perfect we make mistakes. So I don't want to come across as that I'm, you know, a parent bashing in any way. We all have our blind spots. We all have our limitations. We all have our own stuff from our own families of origin and grandparents do too, especially generations ago. You know, we weren't talking about feelings. Their parents might not have been talking about feelings to be able to show up for you in the way that you needed at that time. So just to put that out there. Now you in your reproductive journey are maybe experiencing this disconnect, this need, this unfulfilled part of your relationship with your parents now in the context of you becoming a parent. So people describe having feelings like, oh my gosh, I would never do this to my child. I hope that when my kid has, you know, if my kid has their own kid, I will never do this to them. I will make sure that they feel supported. So you're kind of holding two different worlds in a way, sometimes three. You could be holding like what is happening currently. You don't feel connected with your family or you're not getting the support that you need. You're holding your own past of relationships with them and how that was let's just say unfulfilling or didn't meet your needs at the very least, let's say may have been much worse than that. And now you're holding this like new life, this hope for the future and how you're going to be. This is so complex. And like I said before, we're not necessarily thinking about this on a super cognitive level, like sitting down and thinking like, hmm, you know, analyzing all of this, it could just be these felt senses, this overwhelm of anger, of sadness, of grief, of disappointment, of confusion, of loss of hope, you know, for the relationship that you wanted to have with your parent, potentially even loss of a relationship that or hopes for the kind of relationship that you wanted your parent to have with your child. So, you know, all of that is incredibly complex and I'm not even listing all of the complexity. I'm just talking about parts of it. What happens in therapy is that we're trying to figure that out, untangle those feelings, name them where we can, um, understand them where we can and find ways to still stay in relationship with family members, even if they're not going to be there in the way that you need them to be there. That could, you know, look like setting different boundaries with family members, or it could look like limited contact in some cases, or it can be learning how to communicate what your needs are in a different way. And in part, if somebody's coming to therapy, there are an individual coming to therapy, but they are bringing with them the complexity of their family and their life and all of that. Some families of origin are open to having discussions about this and like talking about feelings and others are not. So sometimes in therapy, a client might be trying to figure out 
for themselves within themselves, how to continue to have a relationship or how to proceed in a relationship with a parent who isn't there for them and who they cannot have this conversation with. Obviously, if you have a, a, you know, a parent who's open to having a discussion about repair in the relationship or how to shift things and change things, then great. That's always awesome, but is often not available to people for multiple reasons. One, it might be a hard discussion to have for you, or it could be that your parent doesn't have the capacity to understand their own role in the situation or might not want to reflect on that. You just never know where somebody else is at. And again, like there's billions of people in this world. So there's that many ways to be a human. So it's not like one rule is going to work for every person. This is all very individual. And that's part of the work that happens in therapy is although I'm talking about something that can be applicable to a lot of people, how it is embodied for you, how it impacts you and how you are trying to figure out how to interact with your family around this is very individual. And that is the, for me, the beauty of therapy is, you know, that's the therapist. And in my case, that's me and you trying to figure out how to make things more tolerable, how to put plans in place so that your transition into and through uh, parenthood feels better to the extent that it can, you know, talking about in relation to a parent who's not there for you are not there for you the way that you need. This episode is supported by Factor. Eating better is better with ready-to-eat Factor meals. And ready-to-eat means pop it in the microwave for two minutes and done. I mix in a few of these meals into my rotation for the days that we're on the run or that I don't want to make anything. I chose the high-protein and calorie-smart options, one of which is the mushroom chicken thighs and wild rice with garlic roasted green beans. This is restaurant quality and so tasty. I can adjust how many meals I get in my order as much or as little as I need every week. Plus, I can pause or reschedule my deliveries anytime, which comes in really handy for our busy schedule. Head to factormeals.com slash momandmind50 and use code momandmind50 to get 50% off. That's code momandmind50 at factormeals.com slash momandmind50 to get 50% off. This episode is supported by Ritual. I am by nature and nurture a bit skeptical. I have to see for myself if something works or if it's helpful before I just believe it whole cloth. And I'm open to trying things out to see for myself. And that includes finding strategies for my wellness. I have a historically low vitamin D, so it's important for me to take Ritual's Essential 18 because it has D3 in it, and their clinically backed Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin has several other high-quality traceable key ingredients in clean, bioavailable forms. What I love and have always loved about Ritual is that it's a female-founded company, and it's a B Corp, which means they're holding themselves accountable and not just long-term, but also to the health of people and our planet. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash momandmind. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash momandmind for 25% off. 
So some of the work that we do in therapy is some of it's just exploring the client's feelings, how they feel in relation to the person that they're having difficulty with, mother, father, sibling, grandparent. Sometimes there's generations of difficulty. So we, I really want to understand how do you feel when you are in relation to that person or those people? How does that impact you? How does that affect how you make decisions about how you're interacting with them? What is working for you? What is not working for you? What can be shifted and what can't? And ultimately in this period of life, you know, what are we working towards? What is a goal that you would have in how you want to interact with and or communicate with your family of origin? And all of this could be happening while like that family member or those family members have no idea that you're working on this. It's such an interesting process. Of course, like I said before, if your family's open to family therapy or working through these things together, then woohoo, that is awesome. But oftentimes people are seeking out therapy because of these complexities and because of how it impacts them and makes them feel. So there can be like a grieving process in here. That's essentially a lot of what things end up feeling like or being like is just really grieving the loss of the hope that you had for that relationship with that person, that parent, and coming to terms with your parents or your sibling or whoever with their limitations. And I'm not saying that in a negative or judgmental way, just like humans have limitations. So that person has them as well. And so do you. And so we're really trying to figure out what's going to work for you. What's going to be sustainable. How do you maintain your mental health, your wellness in relation to that person who's been disappointing or challenging for you? So I invite you to be curious about this for yourself. If you are somebody who does have difficult or complicated relationships with your own parents or your siblings, all of the things that I've listed before really start with some introspection, some reflection on how you feel and how you respond to those folks or that person. And understanding how you feel is really, really important. And I do invite people to consider therapy as an option, finding a therapist who's a good fit for you to help walk you through this. And certainly what I'm doing right now in this conversation is not therapy in and of itself, but it is a tool, a tool to reflect on your own experience so that you have a better sense of what you're feeling and what's coming up for you. Because otherwise we're just feeling stuff and it throws us off. It could, it could throw you you know, kind of into an irritable state. And that is like, kind of could come out with a partner or at work or in other ways. But once we can kind of label what's going on, understand a little more deeply how we are being affected by a situation and, you know, name it, identify it. It helps to give context to why we feel the way we feel and for it to not start to spill out onto other things, other people, other situations. So if you are somebody who has had a difficult relationship with a family member or a parent in the past, and it is coming up for you during your process into parenthood, whatever that looks like for you, 
whether you decide to ever talk to that family member or not about this complexity, certainly that is up to you. But I do encourage people to start a practice of reflecting on how they feel, uh, naming those feelings. And again, go find a therapist who can help you process what you're feeling. I personally believe that it is super cool to have two brains thinking about your scenario, your situation, and coming up with ways to help you cope. It should be a mutual process. It's not, I tell you what to do, or if somebody tells you what to do, you are in your life and you know what's going to work and what won't, or at least have somebody who can come up with ideas with you on what to test out in your life to see if it works. And as usual, with all of these episodes, the goal here is for you to know that you are not alone. If you are struggling in your family relationships and it is impacting your reproductive journey, it is contributing to feelings of anxiety or depression, please know that you are not alone. So many people come to therapy with this as part of what's going on for them, part of what is making things more difficult and more complex. So just want to give you the reassurance, whether you believe it, I guess, or not, uh, for yourself that other people feel these things and go through these things. Let's just take that shame away. Let's take the stigma away and know that you are not alone. I invite you to check out the website, wellmindperinatal.com slash courses and look through there to see if there are any courses that could benefit you to help you understand what is going on for you if you are a newly postpartum mom. Those courses are built for you. And there are a lot of skills and tools in there that are useful, especially if you're waiting for therapy or you're having, there's a long wait to get in to see a therapist. I just find that having information, having education, having resources and having some tools is so helpful in making this uh, journey into parenthood that much easier. Well, that'll do it for today. And I really appreciate you being here. Share this with anybody you think could benefit from this conversation. And until next time, please find the mom and mind podcast on momandmind.com or wellmindperinatal.com, where you can also find access to my free online mini course that is specifically designed for people experiencing anxiety in the postpartum period. Or you can learn more about the three and a half hour self-paced course that I created just for managing postpartum stress. You can also connect with us on social media at mom and mind on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you for tuning in and learning more about perinatal mental health. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. 
I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. 